Well, good morning, everyone. Um, hope you're well and enjoying just a bit more freedom than what we've been used to. Um, so over the last few weeks, we've been running a series here at King's called Prayers of the Heart. And we've been looking back at the Psalms uh, where David, the writer, is praying through different emotions. And this morning's topic is praying through despair. So we're going to be reading from Psalm 22, which Ellie will now read. Psalm 22, verses 1 to 24. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm, not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb, and you made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast on you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Bashan encircle me. Roaring lions that tear their prey open their mouths wide against me. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. But you, Lord, do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouths of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my people. In the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honour him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel, for he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. Well, thank you, Ellie. Happily, Ellie is quite skilled with the hair clippers. So last Saturday, I didn't spend the day queuing at the barbers waiting to have my hair cut. But a couple of weeks ago, I did decide to finally cut the hedge in the garden. So I put on some headphones, which I often do, and I listen to a TED Talk. These TED Talks are kind of 19-minute talks about a whole range of topics. And the one I happened to pick was one on the topic of resilience. And it was by a researcher called Lucy Hone. Um, Now, she began the talk quite unusually. She actually began the talk just by asking the audience a number of questions. And these are the questions that she asked. If you've ever lost someone you love, 
Had your heart truly broken, struggled through an acrimonious divorce or been the victim of infidelity, please stand up or raise your hand. If you've ever been bullied or been made redundant, if you've had a miscarriage or struggled through fertility, please stand up. And finally, if you or anyone you know have ever had to cope with mental illness, dementia, some form of physical impairment or cope with suicide, please stand up. And here's a photo now of the auditorium in Christchurch in New Zealand. And as far as I can see, everyone there is standing. And Lucy went on to say, look around you. If you are alive today, you're going to have to or are now experiencing some tough times. And she then went on to share her own experience of the terrible death of her 12-year-old daughter in a car accident and the despair that her and her family went through at that time. Now, I'm sure that if I asked the same questions of everyone watching today, but also asked the question, if you've ever doubted God, if you've ever felt that God is just not listening to your prayers, if you've ever cried out to God in despair, just feeling that he's silent, please stand up now or raise your hand everyone would be standing or raising their hand. Because the reality, of course, is that despair is just part of life. You know, it was around a long time before COVID-19, and it will be part of our experience well after a vaccine has been found and treatment has been found for COVID. You see, despair doesn't need a global pandemic to thrive. We all face situations and circumstances in our lives that can cause us to despair. Now, it's certainly fair to say that the pandemic is creating, you know, more situations and more desperation uh, for everybody around the world than ever before. Greater unemployment, uh, greater financial struggle, uh, increased mental illness, relationship uh, difficulties and stresses, domestic abuse, and for some, the terrible despair of not being able to say goodbye to a loved one as they pass away. But despair is no new phenomena. You know, with two world wars, with global economic depressions, famines, natural disasters, and indeed previous global pandemics, despair has been around for a long time. In fact, it's apparent throughout the Bible. And we go right back to the book of Genesis and we read about Joseph and we read about his jealous brothers and his jealous brothers throwing him into a pit, into a well, and he cries out in despair please let me go, please release me. And then we read on in uh, 1 Kings, the prophet Samuel, this great man of faith, this great man of God. And it says in 1 Kings 19 that, Samuel, that, that uh, Elijah came to a bush. He sat down under it and he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said, take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. In Ecclesiastes, we read Solomon, the great wise king, declaring these words, meaningless, meaningless, all things are wearisome. And as we move to the New Testament, we read of Jesus's life, the desperate situations that so many people came across. Uh, They were facing incurable sicknesses, demonic oppression and premature death. But I think it's fair to say that by far the most desperate situation that we read about in the Bible is the account of Jesus' death, his desperation in the Garden of Gethsemane. Father, take this cup of suffering from me. 
the despair and the agony of the cross as he cries out from Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Despair, hopelessness, depression, sadness, suffering, they're not airbrushed out of the Bible because the Bible is about real human experience. So today we're going to look at how we can find hope in the face of despair. Firstly, it's helpful just to define what we mean by despair. It might seem obvious, but actually it's worth highlighting that by despair we mean a negative situation in life which causes us suffering, but for which there is no apparent hope of change. You know, we can all face suffering and difficult situations, but, but despair is beyond suffering. If someone's diagnosed with a sickness, an illness, uh, it can and will cause them to suffer. But if they're told by the doctor that, you know, you can have an operation and there's a 99% success rate that you'll be fine, that's not a desperate situation because there's hope. And really despair is the absence of hope. It's being told there's no cure. There's no hope of recovery. You know, desperation means that there's no apparent way out of the suffering. And it's this lack of hope, it's this lack of way out that makes a really negative situation into a desperate situation. And I wonder if there are any situations in your life that cause you to despair, where you just simply can't see a way out. Maybe you do have a sickness that has no known cure. The prognosis is desperate. Or you're facing redundancy and you just can't see how you'll ever get another job in the current market. Your finances are desperate. Or perhaps you're in a relationship that's desperate with no hope of reconciliation. Or facing desperate loneliness or depression or anxiety. Well, it's really this level of desperation It's this suffering, this lack of hope that David expresses in Psalm 22. Now, just a reminder about David, he's he's a strong uh, faith in God. He has a strong belief in God. He grew up believing in God. Uh, We read about the account of David and Goliath, that story that we read at school and we're all familiar with. And um, David said these words, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. You see, David knew of God's presence. He knew of God's victory. And yet in this psalm, it doesn't sound remotely victorious. He begins the psalm by crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, this, this opening statement is, is a contradiction in itself. He's calling out to a God who he feels isn't there, who's gone. If God has forsaken him, if God isn't there, why does David cry out, my God, my God? Well, one commentator puts it like this. It's a triumph of faith over experience. You see, David hasn't stopped believing in God. He just feels that God has stopped listening to him. And again, I wonder if you've ever felt like that, you know, as if God has just left you. He's he's forsaken you and he's just not listening. You you pray, but there there seems to be no answer. The situation just isn't changing and it actually even seems to be getting worse. Or maybe actually, to be honest, you're struggling to believe in God at all. Well, if that's the case, there's a lot we can learn from David's response to despair, from this lack of hope that he was experiencing. You see, he begins 
with a question. He says, why have you forsaken me? And throughout the Psalms, actually, we read of David expressing this real frustration to God, even to the point of indignation towards God. And what we can learn from this is okay to ask God why. Why haven't you healed me, Lord? Despite praying for years, why is my situation getting worse? Why am I still suffering in this way? Why, God? Why? You know, it's okay to express your frustrations and even your confusion to God. God can handle your frustrations. He can really handle your disappointment. He's not surprised at all by you questioning him. And then we read that David goes on to really explain why he's feeling so desperate. He's very real about the things that are making him despair. You know, it's no kind of high level, I'm not feeling very happy, Lord, or I'm not really coping at the moment. No, he's really specific. He expresses exactly what is going on. Verse six, I am a worm and not a man. I'm scorned by everyone. I'm despised by the people. David's not holding back. You know, he's saying it as it is. He's really laying before God all of the detail. In 1 Peter 5 verse 7, we read this scripture about laying everything before God. Cast your cares, your anxiety onto God because he cares for you. Cast your anxiety onto God because he cares for you. Now, this word cast occurs just one other time in the New Testament and it's in Luke 19. And it's when we read about the disciples bringing the colt, the donkey, to Jesus to ride into Jerusalem. And it says they brought it to Jesus and casting their garments on the colt, they sat Jesus on it. You see, instead of carrying their cloaks, their coats themselves, they cast them onto the donkey to carry them. It's this casting, it's the placing of burdens onto something else. And that's what David's doing. He's, he's laying his burdens, he's laying his despair onto God. And Jesus says, of course, in Matthew 11, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And David goes on to write in Psalm 55, cast your burden onto the Lord and he will sustain you. I wonder what's burdening you today. Have you cast your burdens onto Jesus? Have you brought your despair to him? Have you, like David, really laid out your worries and concerns to God in prayer? I think many of us will remember that school song uh, that we used to sing in assembly, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. You'll be pleased to know I will uh, spare you the delight of me singing it to you now. But what a friend we have in Jesus. I know the tune's probably going around in your head now. But verse two reminds us, and it says these words, Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. And isn't that so true? We carry this pain because we're not carrying it to God in prayer. So however desperate your situation, there is a God who listens, who cares for you, no matter how far you feel from him today, take all your burdens to him, cast them onto him, because he cares for you. So after David's asked God why, and he's cast his concerns onto God, we kind of see these glimmers of hope. David begins declaring words of faith. 
He says, yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you, our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you, they cried out and were saved. In you, they trusted and were not put to shame. It's as if David throughout the psalm has these embers of hope and he begins to fan them into flames, these embers of hope, by reminding himself and reminding God of God's past faithfulness to him. You see, embers of hope, despair is a lack of hope. So the best antidote to despair is hope. Well, you know, that's all well, all very well we can say. Um, David was a great man of faith. He defeated Goliath. He had multiple victories under his belt. His ancestors were the likes of Moses and Isaac and Abraham. Of course, he had a lot to draw on. What about me? I live in High Wycombe. Um, my biggest victory was winning uh, a, a bottle of wine at a tombola at a school fete. How can we find hope in times of despair? What can we draw on? And don't we just know that life can really be a battle at times? The Bible says, actually, we have an enemy, the devil, who comes to steal, to kill and to destroy. And he wants to rob people of hope. But, you know, in times of despair, God wants to give us hope. Romans 15 verse 13 just talks about this in such a great way. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. You see, despair brings sadness and turmoil. But here we're reading this God of hope brings us joy and peace. See, God is the source of all hope. And he wants you, he wants me to overflow with hope. And that's David's experience as we get to verse 22 in the psalm, where he says, God has not abandoned me. He's not hidden his face from me. He's got this expectation of good, that God is good and God is there. Hope is springing up and that ember is fanning into flames. And that's what God wants for us too in times of despair. David has this positive, confident expectation that God is good and he has not let him go. And, you know, sometimes in times of despair for us, we just have to remind ourselves of how God has come through for us in the past. You know, on a a personal note, I've known despair in my life. Um, Many years ago in Leicester, I was at university and I remember moving to university and it was it was a difficult time. And to be honest, and I know this is for a lot of students, actually, um, I felt I was kind of really lost and, and, and struggling to face every single day. Um, I think it's fair to say I was like Elijah and at times even saying, what is the point? Uh, There was a kind of darkness around my life. I know some of this was kind of self-inflicted by my own actions, but there was a darkness around my life and it wasn't a good time at all. Anyway, finally, I I had uh, a faith in God, but I kind of turned my back on on him. But finally, I recognised the the error of my ways and I, I decided to cry out to God and I prayed to him. And then a series of events happened that, that chance encounters with Christians at university. And eventually I found myself one evening at a service at a, a local church in Leicester. And at the end of the service, and I'll be honest, I walked into that service uh, very burdened, very heavy. Uh, there was a spiritual battle. It was, very, it was a darkness, a, uh, an oppression, a depression around me. 
And I walked into that service in that state. Uh, I probably physically was head bowed down. Uh, but I, at the end of the service, the pastor invited people to come forward for prayer. And I, I knew I needed to do that. So I went forwards and I explained that I just would welcome some prayer. And as he and others prayed for me, I sensed a massive release, just a huge sense of God's power and his love, but above all, his light and victory. And I literally could not explain what was going on, but I knew it was good. And I knew that God was working on my behalf. I knew he was at work in me, doing work on my behalf, defeating the works of the devil. And I left that building that night feeling completely liberated and free, filled with peace, filled with joy, filled with hope and trusting in God again. And it was a a great uh, personal experience that I can now draw on in times of difficulty that God, you came through for me. You did deliver. You did. You were there. You weren't absent. And this is the, the faith that we have, that he will always come through. And, and if you're struggling today to remember any occasion when God has delivered you or come through for you, then there's one incident in history that speaks of his love for you. You see, David wasn't the only person in the Bible to cry out the words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? David is described as a prophet in the book of Acts. And here David is prophesying about the crucifixion of one of his descendants. The line of David goes to Jesus. And here David is prophesying of the crucifixion of Jesus. Many bulls surround me, strong bulls encircle me. In Matthew 27, it says the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters and they gathered the whole battalion around him. That would have been about 300 people. Many bulls surround me. David is prophesying. We read of um, a doctor's account of the crucifixion and it says he experienced hours of limitless pain, cycles of, of twisting, joint rending cramps, intermittent partial asphyxiation, searing pain where tissue is torn from his lacerated back as Jesus moves up and down against the rough timber. Then another agony begins, a terrible pain deep in the chest as the pericardium slowly fills with serum. And one remembers Psalm 22, verse 14. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. And and author Greg Gilbert observes this, that the cross was a loathsome thing and the one who died on it was loathsome too, a vile criminal whose only use was to hang there as a putrid decaying warning to anyone else who might follow his example. This is how Jesus died. And Jesus said the words. And David said the words too. I am hated and despised. I am rejected by all. This is Jesus' experience on the cross. This is what he went through for you and for me. You see, the cross was designed by the Romans to be a place of despair, no hope of survival, no hope of rescue. And Jesus was truly forsaken by God on the cross. He was forsaken by God so that we can be accepted God. You see, we deserve to be forsaken by God. We deserve that because of our sin for all the wrong things that we've done and thought, all the greed and the selfishness and the lust, the hatred, the jealousy, the sexual immorality, the bitterness, the lying, the pride that is in all humans. 
We deserve to be separated from a holy God. But Jesus died in our place. He took all of that punishment for our sin in that agony of the cross on himself. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And the good news is that the despair of Good Friday gives way to the victory of Easter Sunday. Jesus was raised from the dead. God did not abandon him to the grave. He raised Jesus to life and Jesus defeated death. He defeated sin and he is alive. And that's the ultimate hope that we now have. That confident expectation that we can stand on of good. That those who call on the name of the Lord, on Jesus's name, shall be saved from death and receive the free gift of eternal life. So have you put your faith in Jesus? Have you prayed from your heart the words of the Lord's Prayer? Forgive us our sins. Forgive me my sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Do you know where you'll spend eternity? If not, perhaps today is the day when you pray to God from your heart and you cast all your care and your sins onto Jesus. So what if you have done all of that? What if you have prayed? What if you've cast your cares onto him? What if you do believe and you trust in him and you've had victories, but in your situation, it's still difficult. It's still desperate. Well, we read in the New Testament about Paul the Apostle, a man of great faith. He's encouraged the church. He's birthed the church in the New Testament. And he's, he's a man of, a bold man of great faith. And yet there's one occasion when we read that Paul says he's got this thorn in his, his flesh. It's, it's something he's struggling with. We know not what it is, but it caused him despair because three times he pleaded with God to remove it. But God replied, my grace is sufficient for you. And my power is made perfect in your weakness. So did God hear Paul's cry for help? Yes, he did. Did he answer? Yes, he did. But perhaps he didn't answer in the way that Paul was wanting or expecting. And sometimes that can be our experience. We, we might not get the answer that we want, but God will always hear us. And his grace is always enough for us. And his power and his strength will always be at work in our weakness, whatever that is. And he will never leave you or forsake you. And Paul writes later about how he sees things now from a heavenly perspective. And he writes these words. For our light and momentary troubles are nothing compared with the glory that is to be revealed. Our light and momentary troubles of despair are nothing compared with what God has in store for us. The joy that is to come far outweighs the despair that we might be facing. And God is with us in it. I just want us to close now by listening to the words spoken by Reverend Al Sharpton. It was at the memorial service of George Floyd in Minneapolis. And these are words of hope. These are words of faith and they're words that I took great encouragement. So let's hear from Reverend Al now. So as we leave here today, I say to this family, I know that years ago we told them, Reverend Jackson told us, keep hope alive. Then I know that President Obama wrote a book about hope. But 
I want you to know in my life, there's times that I lost hope. Things can happen like this that'll dash your hope. But there's something that is sister to hope called faith. Faith is the substance of things. Hope for the evidence of things unseen. We come this far by faith, leaning on the Lord, trusting in his holy word. He never, he never, he never failed me yet. From the outhouse to the white house, we come a long way. God will, God shall, God will, God always has. He'll make a way for his children. What encouraging words of faith and hope. God will, God shall, God always has. He'll make a way for his children. He'll make a way for you. So so if you would have stood up at that TED Talk, if today you're feeling desperate uh, with no hope, God wants you to know hope. He wants you to know the hope of his power, the hope of Jesus's victory on the cross, the hope that he can change your situation, that he can make a way, and ultimately the hope of eternal life. Yeah, tell him your frustrations. Cast your burdens onto him because he cares for you. Remind yourself of his faithfulness to you in the past and that he loves you and that he will never leave you and he will never forsake you. We're going to end now in prayer. And I want to pray for anybody specifically that's feeling desperate, that's feeling hopeless. And um, uh, just like us, if you're comfortable where you are, we're going to just bow your head and you can pray from your heart or you can pray out loud. But this is going to allow some space now to just bring those despair, that despair and that worry and that concern to God. Maybe for you now, this is a time of just saying, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I've been rejecting you. I'm sorry I've been rejecting your love. I need your love now. I need your forgiveness. Please forgive me. Or maybe today your prayer is simply, Lord, I still feel desperate. Help me. Help me to trust in you. Help me to cast my cares on you as David did. Help me to remind myself and remind you of your goodness and your faithfulness. Lord, help me now, even in this moment, right now. Fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit, with your power and with your love and with that certainty of what is to come.